Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome to The Inner Life here for a Thursday in this first week of June. I'm Josh Raymond, and glad to have you along here today. So I'm going to call out Cyrus Simcoe, the producer of Patrick Madrid's show that airs right before this, because the very last segment that they aired... Cyrus ended up playing this Cheap Trick song, a classic rock and roll song, I Want You to Want Me, and that has been stuck in my head now for about the last, oh, 16, 17 minutes. And if me mentioning it gets it stuck in your head, well, you can blame Cyrus for that. Uh, he's the one who played it there. But uh, one of the things that I mentioned that, I'll tell you why I mentioned that in just a moment, but let me ask you this. Do you ever remember uh, the last time that you were pulled over by a police officer while driving. How long ago was that for you? Have you ever been pulled over? Are you, are you completely spotless in your driving record? If you were pulled over, was it for speeding or was it for something else, something that maybe was wrong with the car, a, t- a headlight that was out, taillight, something like that? Did you get a ticket? I remember the very first time I got pulled over when I was driving. My very first car, it was this little blue Toyota Corolla. And I think I was maybe 17 at the time, and it was this beautiful summer, late afternoon, early evening, and I definitely deserved to be pulled over. I was doing 45 in a 25-mile-an-hour zone, and, uh, you know, the police officer pulled me over. Of course, I groaned when I realized I'd been caught, and I hoped that I'd be given a warning. You know, after all, I'd never been pulled over before, but no, I got my speeding violation, and I had to pay the fine. So a couple of years later, I ended up getting pulled over again, and again, I deserved the ticket that I got. I was on a country highway. This was in northern Idaho that I was driving, um, and the state trooper, he was very kind, very polite, very nice man, but he wasn't going to let me off the hook for speeding. And there was one other time that I remember that I got pulled over. This was when I was in college, and I received a ticket, um, but this was not for speeding. This was for not having proof of insurance in my vehicle when I was pulled over. I, I did have insurance. I was insured. I had just forgotten to put that um, updated insurance card there in my glove compartment. So I was able to go to the county courthouse and appeal that ticket successfully. Um, but yeah, ended up walking away from that one with yet another ticket from the police officer there that stopped me. One time, I remember I was running late for work, and this was the year before I got married, and I was working for this wholesale company. I was a delivery driver for them, and I was heading down a hill towards the building uh, where I worked, and I wasn't horribly late, maybe just five, ten minutes late or so, and... I was pushing the speed just a little bit, and of course, that's when I got pulled over. You know, when you're running late, of course, that's when you're going to get pulled over. So the police officer, he walked up to my window and asked where I was rushing off to that morning, and I was so close to work that I just had to point out the window to the building that was about 50 yards down the street, just across the street there, 
And I said, yeah, I'm late for work. Uh, you know, I, I know I've been speeding. Um, I should have been taking it a little slower. And so he took my license, took my proof of insurance, took the registration, and he walked back to his car. And I was just sitting there waiting. And you know that waiting period between when you've been pulled over and then the cop goes back to his car and you're not knowing what's going to happen next. And those it's one of those moments where time just seems to drag out, especially if you're already running late. And so the, the, the police officer, he finally comes back and he hands me my license, proof of insurance, registration. And he says, I really appreciate that you're wearing a seatbelt. So I'm going to let you off with a warning. And, oh, the relief. I, I don't know how my poker face was at that point if I just, well, thank you, officer. But uh, I know I was just so relieved. Oh, okay. I don't, <laughs> I don't have to get a ticket here. He had mercy on me. When, you, when you've been in that situation, when you didn't receive the consequences for your poor choices or your poor actions, when someone had mercy on you, how did you feel in that moment? For me, yes, there, there was that relief of not having to pay the fine for a ticket, but there was also that gratitude. I was really appreciative that this officer, this police officer, he looked at me not just as uh, you know somebody in a car, but as an actual person who wasn't perfect, but I was worth another chance. And maybe you've been on the other side of a moment like this. Have you been the one to show someone mercy, to understand that we all do mistakes? And while you might need to address that wrong behavior with the person, you give that person another chance to do better in the future. If you're a parent, if you have children, you've probably done this over and over with your own children. But it can be more difficult to offer that mercy and that forgiveness to others, to a parent, maybe a coworker, or a sibling. And today we want to look at the spiritual works of mercy, how we can live out our love for Christ in the way that we interact with those around us. And so I mentioned Cyrus at the beginning of the hour here. So uh, one of my spiritual works of mercy today is going to say, Cyrus, I forgive you for playing cheap trick and getting it stuck in my head here today, but helping us look at the spiritual works of mercy. Father Sam Martin is our spiritual director today. He's a priest in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. He's the pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish there in Wausau, Wisconsin. Father Martin, so glad to have you back here on the program today as we look at the spiritual works of mercy. Do you remember the last time you were pulled over for speeding? Well, I don't know if I can disclose that, uh, Josh, but <laughs> you've been pulled over quite a few times. I was, uh, I was just enraptured by that. Actually, I, I, probably the last time was on the way to my grandma's funeral, uh, and uh, which there is a whole story. I actually weave that into the homily that day because um, I was a little wild as a kid, and my grandma had to bail me out one time, not out of jail or anything, but uh, I had a little accident, and it was late at night, and my grandma was the one to call my my uncle, her son, to give me a, a toe in any way, uh, something, um, you know, poetic about getting pulled over on the way to my grandma's funeral. But when you're wearing a Roman collar, I suppose it makes some uh, of our police uh, policemen a little nervous. I don't know, but they've always been very merciful to me. And I try, I use the, uh, uh, you know, your cruise control has saved me a lot of tickets because I just... Uh, Probably when I'm listening to stuff like Cheap Trick, you get inspired and you start driving <laughs> faster, I guess. I don't know. But, I know. Uh, yeah. I I think that's just also for me. All of these were 
in my young years. I haven't had a, a speeding ticket since I was in college. So I, I think part of that is, you know, you get older and you realize, eh, I, I don't have to be quite as reckless or, or go quite that fast anymore. But um, so the spiritual works of mercy, Father. First of all, maybe we can have you just uh, go through the list of these if somebody has never heard of the spiritual works of mercy before. Um, can you just walk us through? There's seven of them. Yeah, and I've got the list in front of me, so that they're harder to remember, actually. I used to, as a teacher, try to give the kids mnemonic devices a way to, to remember them, because otherwise they're just kind of at the level of theory, but not practical. So to instruct the ignorant, the counsel the doubtful, to admonish or correct sinners, to bear wrongs patiently, forgive offenses willingly, to comfort the afflicted, and to pray for the living and the dead. And there's sometimes, I mean, they, to comfort the sorrowful instead of the afflicted. There are different ways of, uh, of saying them. But even so, the, the idea of mercy being at the heart of who God is and the highest expression of love is uh, the willingness to suffer uh, someone else's uh, failure and to take on that uh, out of a great act of charity is, uh, aligns us with who God is. And we are made as his image and likeness, so to live those out uh, promotes our own spiritual life, and it's good. It's a, one of those gifts that keeps on giving. As you were recounting, I mean, that these police officers, and obviously they've been much maligned uh, given the uh, sad circumstances of our world now, but how many of them have done so much for us that only in heaven will they realize the imp- impact of their life, that uh, all of the bad things that didn't happen because they did their jobs. Mm-hmm. I know that some of them made mistakes, and then you know, and real sin, and, and some evil. Uh, but that's true of all of our vocations and our career choices and so forth. But um, we think about what an act of mercy does, and here you are, all these years later, still remembering that and being grateful for it. And uh, so it's uh, it shows how God works, and uh, He wants us to be a part of that. So the spiritual works of mercy are tangible ways that invite us to taste and see the goodness of the Lord and to extend it by the way we treat each other. Right. That extending, it reminds me of the parable that Jesus tells of there's the uh, the servant who is, he's forgiven this massive debt, and he goes in, he's supposed to be held accountable for it, but his master ends up forgiving. And, and I, I forget exactly, I, I don't think it specifies what it is, but the idea is that it's for us, it'd be, you know, like hundreds of thousands or maybe millions of dollars if, if it was us. And this is forgiven when he says, just be patient with me. I'll pay you back. Uh, I just need, I need time to be able to pay it back. But the master forgives him. Well, then this servant turns around and goes out and immediately demands of one of his fellow servants, one of the fellow slaves, you owe me. And it's something measly. You know, for us, again, it might be like just $10 or $20. And that that other servant says the exact same thing that this first servant just said to their master. Just be patient with me. I'll pay you back. I'll pay it all back. But then the first servant starts choking him, starts saying, no, pay it back right now. doesn't have mercy on him the way that it was extended by the master to him. So, you know, that's one of those examples that Jesus gives us in his teaching in the Gospels where, uh, like you said, Father, it's not just that we're shown mercy— and we have a good feeling, and we're thankful, we have that gratitude, it stays with us, but that we are expected to extend that out to others that we encounter. 
Yeah, I think that's where our interior life, our prayer life, is so important. It's a way of of remembering. It's otherwise, I think that we just uh, we don't see the the non sequiturs, the inconsistencies. The you know that you do one thing on this end, but here you're completely uh, you know uh, living a contrary life, or you, we just miss those disconnects, which are as a part of original sin, I suppose, that we don't always see that you know that we've been a recipient of this gift. What you received as gift, you give as gift, but uh, we can be so, uh, you know, uh, just shallow and, and myopic, kind of, you know, short-sighted about those things. But that's where our prayer life is, uh, you know, it's a way of remembering the goodness of the Lord, the goodness of others, the goodness that God put in me. And, you know, I that's not for me, it's for others. And so uh, am I my brother's keeper? Yes. <laughs> the idea is, of course, that Jesus uh, makes that definitively clear. And so mercy is something that, um, you know... Where do these things come from? It was the idea. God is a great teacher, and uh, he uh, he permits evil because there's still things we need to learn. Uh, that's not a punishment, but it's a preparation for heaven. So he says you can't root up all the weeds. There are going to be some in the weed field. So I mean, it, so that there could be a flawed sense of mercy. We want a world without evil. Well, that that's coming. Uh, a new heavens and a new earth, but we're not there yet. In the meantime, mercy is sometimes bearing this evil with patience, with charity, acknowledging that it's not right. You know, like we can be merciful with people that struggle with addiction. And we can't fix them. We're not just, a, you know, just stop it. You know, it's, sometimes it's not so easy. It's a process. It's a conversion. It's a, a you know, the chemical, uh, you, know, you know, attachment to this. You know, these things, uh, they take time. And for some, they may never overcome uh, these things until uh, they're called home by God. But in the meantime, how to be merciful is, just how, how to be like God, and God took the time to teach us. He taught us commandments. So the church, she's kind of codified some of these things, too. She gives us a few lists, like, well, uh, you know, Jesus said, be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. Okay, well, what's that mean? You know, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Well, well, so the church, in her wisdom, I think especially in the Middle Ages, kind of gave us this list. I mean, we had the corporal works of mercy, and that, you know, feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, and and visit the sick, and so forth. Those are all in uh, the gospel. But the spiritual ones were to flesh it out even more, uh, to help us to, if you want to be a saint, uh, here's a recipe. I mean, just, you know, like the rich young man, so, you know, good teacher, what must I do to, well, Jesus gives them something practical. He says, you know, give away what you have, and, you know, follow me. And that was, uh, he wasn't ready for that yet. But God, as a teacher, knows that, the standard is always going to be higher than we're going to. But he doesn't lower the standard. He doesn't insult us. He gives us the grace to, to live a life that we couldn't on our own. This Whatever holiness is, it's more God's gift to us. We can be disposed. We can prepare our hearts to receive the gift, and that's what we must do. But uh, in the end, it's still his gift. Uh, and any saint would say that I am what I am by the grace of God. Mm. Uh, he did this for me. I wanted it, and I cooperated with the gift that he offered, but it, it's all gift. Yeah, well, that's so important, you know, just that we're not doing something on our own just for the sake of doing it, that, you know, we understand everything we've been given is a gift from God, and it's all—we give it back. We want to make that return to God for all that he's given to us. Our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life, Father Sam Martin, a priest in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. And, uh, Father, you made mention that, uh, you know, we can look at 
Matthew's Gospel, where Jesus gives that parable about the sheep and the goats, you know, that we get the corporal works of mercy there. Whenever we feed the hungry, clothe the poor, visit those sick or in prison. When we do these to the least of our brothers or sisters, we're doing it to Jesus himself. Um, but the the list of the spiritual works of mercy doesn't seem to have such an easy place in Scripture we can look at. You mentioned, you know, kind of the Church, especially in the Middle Ages, would take some of these different concepts. You know, we have the seven deadly sins, we have uh, the, the seven, uh, the, the virtues, um, you know, the theological and cardinal virtues. So here we have another list of seven, these spiritual works of mercy. Is that really, this is just kind of that built out of our understanding of theology to help us have some of these simple, uh, definable, and, um, oh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, I guess concise uh, lists of things that we can look at and say, okay, rather than just try and piece it together on our own, the Church has tried to do some of that work for us? Yeah, once in a while you'll find uh, you know, a definite beginning. So like the capital sins, uh, there's this guy, St. John Cassian, and it was in the time just before Pope Gregory the, the Great, so you're talking about 6th century or whatever, and he was a monk and he was trying to, to give a list of here's some of the fundamental snares that make it difficult for us to be a virtuous human being. So pride, envy, wrath and the whole business. So there actually were eight at the beginning, and then St. Thomas Aquinas kind of ran those into seven, seven, of course, being a, a symbolic number for us as believers, <clears throat> and it's a, a sign of fullness and so forth, and and the days of creation and, and the sacraments and everything else. So uh, And it was a sadia, which was a kind of a spiritual sadness uh, and a depression, darkness that got run into sloth, and that's a, a component of it. So I couldn't find anything that's definite, like here's where the spiritual works of mercy came from. Here's the guy or the woman that, that wrote these things out. But it would have been organically that uh, an understanding of, of, you know, that especially out of religious life, that, you know, different orders were founded with a different charism. And so to take care of the poor, to, to look for, you know, ways of helping people that are in prison, uh, different ways that people were living to say that here's a way to be like Christ. Here's a way... Uh, to imitate our Lord, who clearly uh, was, uh, you know, at every funeral we always hear that, you know, that Jesus wept at the death of his friend Lazarus. So here's a, a God who knows sorrow, but knows how to comfort that sorrow, uh, knows how to, to identify it and not to just explain it away or, or brush it off or bury it or pretend it's not there, but a real bereavement, a real understanding of, of empathy, entering a person's hurt, and just that accompaniment, I'm with, I can't fix it, I can't put a Band-Aid on it, but I, I love you, and I'll stay with you. And, um, you know, so we see a, a woman like a Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who, uh, how many things that she do for others, and a beautiful story about the guy that, um, you know, no one ever visited him, and she was cleaning his house, and she said she discovered this lamp, and she said, why don't you ever light the lamp? And he's like, well, Mother, nobody comes. Why would I? Well, what would be the point? Well, then the letter came a couple months later, addressed to Mother Teresa from the same man, and he said, tell Mother that the lamp that she lit, lit in my life is still burning. Uh, that was a hope that was given by a little act of mercy. I mean, that was corporal because you clean in the house kind of thing, but something spiritual happened. So out of this became a, a greater understanding. I mean, if, if people say, well, how do I become a Christian? How do I? Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, here are some tangible things you can do. Now, each of us is on our own path. It's not going to look 
identical. God's not into cloning. He loves children, and they're each unique, and they each have their strengths and weaknesses and, and their own little charisms, special uh, gifts that God gave uh, each of us. And so saints are utterly unique. Uh, they don't look like each other. Uh, it's amazing how different. And that's, you know, when we were kids, they used to tell us about snowflakes, and they've studied millions of them, and not a single pair of them is ever the same. Well, that's the way God is with the saints, too, and with each of us. We we're, So these seven spiritual works of mercy, uh, again, that they encompass lots of things that the Church has learned mm-hmm. through the Scriptures, Revelation, of course, and the lives of the saints. And uh, they're passed on for you and for me, and an invitation to live them uh, the best we can. It's nice to live in an era where the the people who have gone before us, the, the saints and the Church Fathers, have done so much of the heavy lifting to just make it so nice and easy for us, Father. Well, or, or maybe it's difficult because now we don't have any excuses. There's no excuse. Yeah, I suppose that's the other side of that coin there. Our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin, a priest in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin, and we're talking about the spiritual works of mercy. How have you extended that mercy that you've received from Christ? How have you extended that out to those around you? How have you been able to show Christ's love to someone in your life and giving, giving them that opportunity to continue on, even understanding, well, we all make mistakes, but just as I have been shown mercy by Christ, I'm going to extend that to you. We'd love to hear how you've experienced that in your life. 888-914-9149 is our studio line. 888-914-9149. You can also email innerlife at relevantradio.com, and we'll have more coming up here in just a moment on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond, and along with us, our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin. He's the pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau, Wisconsin. We're talking about the spiritual works of mercy today. How are you living out Christ's mercy? How are you living out that merciful life and expressing that mercy that's been shown to you to others? Our studio line, 888-914-9149. And Father Martin, uh, let's just dive right in. We kind of, you know, talked about where we uh, have the origin of the spiritual works of mercy and how we understand that they came to us. But let's go through them one by one and take a deeper look, examine how we can live them out in our own lives. First of all, we have instructing the ignorant. And I remember when I was, I don't know if it was high school or college, I started hearing people throw around that word ignorant as more of an insult. You know, oh, you're so ignorant. But here, that's not necessarily the case. The ignorance is something that we look at and we want to help remedy for that individual. Yeah, Jesus, he says, you'll know the truth, it'll set you free. And so, uh, we have a, a duty, each human being, to search for the truth. I mean, Pontius Pilate, he wasn't sure. He said, what is the truth, you know? And, of course, 
uh, ultimately the truth is a person. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So uh, I was just thinking in the Acts of the Apostles a couple of weeks ago that um, Apollos is instructing, but he doesn't know about the Holy Spirit. And so uh, Priscilla and Aquila, this married couple, they pull him aside and they instruct the ignorant. They kind of inform him about this third person of the Trinity. And, and Apollos, to his credit, he takes it uh, very, uh, he's very docile. He's uh, humble enough to accept that correction. And then he's able to teach more fully uh, something that, I mean, the truth is good for us. It's, it's sometimes painful, like taking our medicine and uh, recognizing that we've not been living uh, in a way that's uh, true freedom, which is uh, there can't be any love without freedom. And, and uh, so uh, there are lots of uh, great teachers in the history of our, our faith and great teachers today, you know, that uh, every one of us by baptism is configured to Christ as the priest, prophet, and king. And the prophetic uh, voice of the church is one that is a, a teacher. And uh, the church is a mama, so she... Uh, and think of all the things we learn from our mothers. Uh, I learned how to read from my mom and certainly how to pray. I learned lots of things from my dad. But uh, when it comes to teaching it, there's a special gift, a, a genius that is, is given to our mothers. And the church is always trying to teach. Because otherwise, if, if we don't, how will people know? And uh, a lot of great examples of of how um, the truth came. And, and you know, I, I, one example, Edith Stein, you know, the uh, beautiful Jewish girl that uh, she'd been studying phenomenology and it started to believe in God again, and then she read the life, the autobiography of St. Teresa of Avila, read the whole book in one night. Uh, Edith Stein was a genius. And uh, as the sun was coming up, she set the book down and she said, this is the truth. And she never doubted it. And so St. Teresa of Avila taught her something, and so much so that she became a Catholic and then finally a Carmelite and, and died a martyr at Auschwitz in 1942. So uh, we, if, if what we believe is true, then we'll, we certainly would want to share that. We propose, we impose nothing. Each person has to decide if they accept and, and if they believe. But um, it, it would be a shame. I mean, our faith will die if we don't share it, if we don't live it, if we don't teach it. And uh, that's always a struggle because there's the risk of uh, being rejected and you teach the truth and sometimes they fling it right back at you. You think you're better than me, you think you're holy or whatever, and uh, that can be uh, difficult. But it's best taught, of course, by example. So uh, right. Francis used to always say that to proclaim the gospel, preach the gospel, and if you have to, open your mouth. But uh, otherwise, live it. And uh, that will be a witness, uh, a testimony that could be a catalyst for another person's spiritual growth. Well, and as you're talking about this, you know, as we talk about that first spiritual work of mercy to instruct the ignorant, it's not just simply to point out that they're wrong and here is the truth. But again, I I think I'm going to be going back to this again and again, that we have to do that with that attitude, that mindset, that heart attitude that I am doing this out of love, out of charity, out of mercy, um, that I want to share this with you, not just simply to tell you you're wrong and to show you what I think is right, but I have found the truth, and I really want to share this with you because it's made my, my life so much better, and I want everyone to have the same joy and peace and hope that I have in my life. Yeah, the best teachers are humble. You know, the Italians have this little phrase, you know, ti faccio vedere, I'll show you. And they, you know, it's just the way that, 
especially when we're little, someone kind of shows us how to tie our shoes. Or uh, Recently, the new bishop up in Duluth, I just caught the end of it. Uh, it was live-streamed or something, and he, uh, a bishop next to him, kind of there's that tassel on the back of the mitre, the hat that the bishop wore. So he had to kind of flip that because it was in the wrong place. And then the new bishop had grabbed his crozier, his staff, but I guess I didn't realize it, but it's supposed to face a certain direction. So uh, his brother bishop gently turned it in the right direction, and he was kind of <laughs> smiling. And you could feel everybody in the whole church kind of smiling, like, that's a baby bishop. Oh, and but it, an older bishop is just passing along little things that... Um, and, but very gently, with such a humble way about him. And I said, well, you know, so uh, like Jesus says from the cross, they don't know. And we can't be held responsible for what we don't know, but, but what we don't know can hurt us. And so it's an act of love, is to, to teach people. And now, not everybody is so receptive, but even so, to continue to cast out the seeds. Some will fall on good soil. There'll be rocks, birds, thorns, and all the other uh, business, but uh, if we don't cast out the seeds, uh, woe to the person who doesn't. Uh, we could have, we should have, we knew better, and we didn't. So um, that's where the teachers, uh, Jesus can be tough on the teachers, you know, and the Pharisees and the, right. the Sadducees. He can be pretty tough on them because they knew, or maybe they should have known. And uh, he's easier on those that, that couldn't know because the people above them never took the time or taught things that were not of God but of man. Father Sam Martin is our spiritual director today as we look at the spiritual works of mercy. The second one that we have on our list here, Father, giving counsel to the doubtful. And the word that actually stands out to me is not the counsel, it's the doubt. And it makes me think of the opposite of doubt, which is faith. And, you know, we talked about how what we have is a gift from God, and that's been my experience. You know, faith is truly a gift from God. So this, it, it makes me think about how Helping those who are experiencing doubts, it's really our job to just be an encourager for them. Yeah, and there's so much of it. I mean, it, uh, now St. Cardinal Newman had this beautiful quote that uh, a thousand questions don't add up to one doubt. And so sometimes we have to kind of help people to realize that it's fair to question. It's fair to, you know, that our faith seeks to understand. But whatever faith is, it's... Uh, it, of course, it's aligned with love. The, the three theological virtues are all, there's a kind of a symbiotic relationship there. But, uh, you know, that we seek to understand, but we don't wait until we do before we make our, our choice. I mean, if uh, no one would get married unless I, if I don't know everything about you, I need to understand perfectly everything about the inner workings of your heart, your soul, your mind. Well, I don't even know that about myself. I mean, you know, so we make an act of faith. We, we you know, trust. Uh, we seek to know more and more, as in, in anybody that's been married very long, you're always learning about each other, about yourself, and about what God had in store for this great sacrament that you're trying to live out. Uh, so it is with, uh, with doubt, is, uh, it's not the same as a question. Questions are, uh, well, it's, I think it's the attitude that's the difference, probably, that if we ask in one way, like, well, who are you to tell me that, well, I mean, you can hear that that person probably not going to be very receptive versus, well, I don't understand this. I, I, you know, why does God permit evil? Why do these terrible things happen to such good people? Why is there scandal in the church? Why is there so many, all these affronts to unity? Why do you know, people that claim to be Catholic, they, they don't live that way? Or, uh, anyway, these things, they can lead us to being uh, really shaky. Uh, and I, I feel like, especially this year of, of COVID, that we've had to counsel lots of doubtful people 
Uh, and looking in the mirror, we see it in ourselves, a fear of death and uh, lots of other things that we had to fight. It was a tough year. And, uh, but what we believe is, is still good news. It's still the gospel. And uh, though we must die, we shall rise again. And, and there are worse things than dying in a way, uh, not living, not being grateful, not seeing that it was a privilege, it was a miracle that we were born at all, that God wanted us. Uh, I think that not living is a, a far greater tragedy than, than, than dying. Dying is just a part of life. It's our way home. It's our Passover. It's our leaving this world that we were never going to live here, even with original innocence. It wasn't, this was never heaven. It wasn't the kingdom of God. It was a garden. It was a beginning. But the end, uh, well, that's uh, a place that God has already uh, created for us. He's already prepared a place for us and uh, many rooms in my father's house. So the Lord has gone before us. And uh, so counseling the doubtful, it's one thing to question. And I, I think we should, you know, it's a good thing to have a spirit of, of inquiry to be interested, to want to know the truth. But to doubt is, um, is a, an affront to our trust, our ability to, to really trust the Lord. And he's proven that he's trustworthy, but uh, that's where each of us is given the grace to, to live that ourselves and maybe to help each other. Uh, that's where a parish is such a blessing, Josh, that we can come together and see everyone. We're all struggling. We're all, right. And they, maybe that was the hardest thing about COVID, is we couldn't be together. Sure. And we need that. We're built, you know, created by a trinity of persons. So love has to be communal. It's not just, uh, you know, we'll go it alone and uh, we'll be a lone ranger. No, in the spiritual life, there's no such thing. Uh, The body of Christ, uh, uh, the church, she sustains us, encourages us, helps us uh, more than we know. Uh, Our third spiritual work of mercy here, Father, to admonish sinners. And this one, I think... We always like to be right. We want to be correct. And it's pretty easy to, t- to want to tell somebody else that they are wrong. You know, I, I mean, I, I don't want to say it, that I told you so, but, you know, I told you so. That, that's kind of an attitude that's so easy to have. But the big difference here, again, going back to what I said earlier, is that concept of keeping mercy forefront as we're offering that admonishment, that correction in a merciful, a charitable, a loving manner that we're not just trying to point out to somebody, hey, you're doing wrong and you need to stop it now. It's, you know, this isn't the best thing that you could be doing and there's so much better and your life could be so much better. Let me help you. I'd like to help you along the way. That that admonishing sinners, we have to approach it with mercy. Yeah, it's a, this is a discernment. Maybe all of these uh, seven works of mercy are, you know, to ask the Lord to help us, that we're willing. Sometimes we see a situation, we, it, it's calling for attention and a response, and, uh, and, but sometimes we're not the right person, or we're going to do it the wrong way. And right. So I think that it's really, a, it, it can be an encounter with God that, uh, you know, this is a person under my spiritual care, and so if, as a parent, I mean, I think it's maybe pretty clear sometimes, but what if it's just uh, an acquaintance? What if it's somebody that I really don't know that well, but you know, I mean, it, and I stick my neck out a little bit, and then I get rejected, or, uh, you know, there, there are just a lot of things that, especially in our own families, too, where the Lord says that, uh, you know, a prophet not without welcome, except in his own hometown, sometimes are, we're not the right person, even in our own, uh, you know, with our loved ones. So I, there are speeches that I always want to give, they're always in my head, and I, but I say, Lord, it, uh, that's what I want to do, and if you want me to say something, you have to put me in the right place at the right time and give me the right words. Sure. So yeah. I think, you know, we make ourselves available. 
but we don't tell the Lord this, I'm going to do it. <laughs> well, and, and that's exactly what I think. Too. Yeah, you know, as I'm listening to you here, Father, it's that discernment that you're talking about. Yes, we want to be available if the opportunity presents itself, because we never want to back down from being able to tell someone the truth, to point out that for you to live the best life that you can, to, you know, in Matthew Kelly's words, to be the best version of yourself— well, I need to be ready to present the truth in a loving way, but I have to discern if that's really what Jesus wants me to do in this particular moment, in this opportunity here, as I'm, I'm seeing someone who might need that correction. Am I the right one to give that? Right, and you know, I think we get better at it, too. I, one time I heard Patrick uh, Madrid, somebody called in and said, oh, you do such a good job, and you have to you know, correct people on, on the radio, and you have to do it, and you, you do it so, so beautifully. And uh, Patrick said, well, thank you, I, I appreciate this. It's very nice of you to say that, but I've made every mistake possible, and by God's grace, I've learned. I think, well, that's, that's how it is, right? I mean, we, we win some, we lose some, but if it's clear that the Lord has given us that nudge, uh, this is what we do out of love. I mean, the, the big thing these days is about who can receive Holy Communion if you're supporting abortion, all these things, and our bishops are trying to square this away. But I said, when I talked about this back in January, I said, you know, we pray for our leaders. No matter if we agree with them or disagree, we pray right, for them. Right. But the great thing about being Catholic is it doesn't matter if you're the Pope, the President, or a parishioner in the pew, we're all held to the same standard. And we correct each other out of love. Like, you know, don't do that. That's poison. You drink that, it's going to hurt you. That, this isn't me being mean. It would be mean not to say anything if I knew what was about to happen. That would be cruelty. That wouldn't be love. So, uh, so it, but at the same time, we can do it in a way that's mean and, and it's insulting. And uh, even if it is true, you set the person back a long way because uh, it wasn't the message. It was the messenger that really um, you know, hurt them. So if people want a nice uh, you know, example of this, uh, the famous movie, uh, the Scarlet and the Black, with this guy Monsignor Hugh O'Flaherty and, and Colonel Kapler. I won't spoil it, but uh, that's a fantastic true story about World War II and Christians trying to save the Jews from uh, deportation and all the, the wickedness that the Nazis wanted to inflict on them, and a true Catholic response, you know, that uh, says that this is poison. What you're doing is a terribly evil thing. But then in the end, there was mercy too. And that's what um, all of these have to be, is that the truth, but out of love. <laughs> and I don't out want you to love. Right. Yeah, and it's a, a difficult balance, impossible for us. That's where, you know, if you're not really growing close to the Lord and, and have that deeply vibrant spiritual life, sacramental life, uh, we're going to botch these uh, quite often. But with God's help, we'll hit a little higher batting average and do a little better. Our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin, we're talking about the spiritual works of mercy and living those out in our lives, understanding them better. And we'll continue the conversation in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Inner Life Show or email us. Inner Life at RelevantRadio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin. He's a priest in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. And we're talking about the spiritual works of mercy, our studio line, 888-914-9149, if you have any questions on the spiritual works of mercy, or how you've been able to live them out in your own life. 888-914-9149. I want to say thank you to Jim Shaper and Patrick Alog for their help in producing the show today. And uh, Father, as we look at, we've got three down. We've got four to go. So the next one on our list here is to bear wrongs patiently. And this one seems to me where we kind of want to find this balance. We want to offer that mercy if someone's wronged us, but we don't want to uh, allow our merciful attitude to be an opportunity for someone to continue to wrong us. You know, it's bad for both of us. If they continue in bad or possibly sinful behavior, then that's bad for them. And then on our side, we have this ongoing consequence of that behavior that we're dealing with. So we want to bear the wrongs patiently, but not continually, I guess, is maybe what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, a, you know, we're not to tolerate sin, so we don't become a, a doormat and let people, you know, do things that aren't good for them or us. But uh, it's like, you know, a person's idiosyncrasies, quirks, things about them that annoy us, but not to let on. And St. Therese, the little flower, she did this her whole life in the convent, and it made her holy. Uh, little things. And patience is charity. And when we find that, boy, I'm just low on patience today, that charity is uh, something we receive from God. It's uh, to live that godly life. And so like St. Francis in his prayer, like, I'm not asking you to change the world or change others, Lord. Change me. Make me an instrument of your peace. And so then we can, you know, kind of put up with the fallen world and fallen people and uh, you know, these, uh, you're killing me, Smalls, was uh, the line that people would use from... Uh, uh, what was that? Anyway, oh, it's the baseball it. movie. Yeah, what's that movie? Sandlot. Sandlot, Sandlot, that's it, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> not to, to make a big scene of somebody's annoying us, that we are able, because of the charity of God, to turn the other cheek, to pray, uh, you know, especially for those who might persecute us, not to tolerate sin, no, it's not that, uh, but to accept that uh, people are fallen, and they have their uh, things that they're working out, and we, with God's help, can respond with a smile, with real kindness. Well, and the next one here that we have on the list, forgiving offenses willingly, seems very much tied to this one that we're talking about, bearing wrongs patiently. Um, I, I, I guess maybe they're just very, very complimentary, but there's also maybe the, the opportunity here to talk about how mercy and forgiveness are related, but there is still a little bit of difference there when we talk about mercy and when we talk about forgiveness. Yeah, this one has to do with, with sin. You know, this when you're forgiving offenses, this is something that's been done to me that was against God and against my dignity. So uh, I remember the story of St. Josephine Bakita that she was uh, sold this, you know, like six different slave owners, and she'd been beaten. She carried like 144 scars on her body all mm-hmm. her life. And, uh, and when she was, um, she became a Catholic and a, and a sister and a teacher. And as she was older, the, the kids wanted to see the scars. And then they would kind of make these little speeches, like, if I ever caught, and she would always stop them. And she says, no, 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 no. If I were to see the people that did this to me, I would kiss them and thank them, because if it had not been for them, I never would have found the Lord. And in Him I found my life, and I found the healing that comes. Now, that's a forgiveness that is not of this world, but that is a gift that God offers. They sinned against her. They did terrible things. But there's a mercy that's even deeper than the greatest evil, 
And that's thing most of us haven't come close to that yet. But to see it, that it does exist, that we see it in Christ and his mother and many of the saints. And today, the martyrs, St. Charles Luanga and companions, I mean, to die for someone that is hating you and, and hurting you and to forgive them while you're dying, that comes from heaven. And that's uh, so, but we can practice because there's lots of little things that, you know, we have to forgive, slights, mean things, judgments, things that get back to us. We're invited by the Lord to forgive those. Not that they weren't sinful. The Lord will have to sort that out. But uh, we can forgive because God has forgiven us. Yeah, well, and that kind of goes in the face of a lot of the attitude we have in our contemporary society. You know, the fool me once, uh, you know, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me kind of attitude that uh, I don't want to let anybody take advantage of me again. Well, again, we don't want to be taken advantage of, but that we are... uh, I really like the word in here, not just forgive offenses, but forgive offenses willingly. Right. It's a choice. Uh, that's what love is, and it's a choice that we have to make every day. And uh, I loved you yesterday. Yeah, well, that's a good day. i got to be nice to you today. I mean, how, are you going to be here tomorrow? I mean, how many days do I have to Right. How with? long do I have to put up with you? Right. 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 Not forever, uh, at least not in the, the condition of this world, but... Uh, it can go on uh, for a long time, and, and that's where the devil will pounce. He loves the idea of futility. You can do this today, but you can't do it. It's too much. He tries to overwhelm us by a future that we can't see, and he tries to. It's a, an old trap, and he's pretty good at it. Yeah. Our, our uh, sixth spiritual work of mercy, as we're looking at this today, with our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin. Uh, Father Martin, it's to comfort the afflicted or the sorrowful. And this one, for me, I think is probably the most difficult. It's, it's not easy to be around people who are going through tough times. I mean, that really is a grace from God for people who can offer that comfort. But, you know, especially if those people are not my immediate family, most of the time when I'm in those situations, it's just that words are not going to suffice. They will fall completely short of offering any true comfort, and then you're kind of there with, well, what's left? It's just to spend some time with someone and let them know you care. I, uh, you know, maybe even kind of distract them uh, from what's happening. I remember one woman I knew, she was, her mom was dying, and she was there in the hospital with her aunt, and they were at the bedside, and it was just enough to walk down to the cafeteria and just, you know, get, get a soda, be able to just have a little bit of, okay, let's let's be distracted from this just for a moment. And even that, just having somebody there that they know cares about what's happening, even though I can't offer anything other than I'm here, I care, that that seems to be enough sometimes in those situations. That's it, basically all we can do. and Because otherwise we try to fix each other and then somebody shows up and they're still sad, they're still grieving. And you're like, uh, you know, I thought, I thought we were past this by now. And then they feel that, you know, they're putting others out and no one wants to feel so needy and dependent and, and a burden, so they stop coming around. I, a friend of mine went through some struggles for, oh, a couple of years, maybe longer, and he said that was the one guy that any time that I just would listen. And I, I didn't know what else to do, and I, I, the Lord kind of gave me the grace to just be an ear and be a presence and, and be faithful to our friendship. And he said others would always get telling him, well, you need to do this, you've got to try this, you should do this, or just you've got to get over this, you've got to let it go. And uh, sometimes uh, we do well not to give any unsolicited advice, but um, to be present. Uh, it's, uh, it's hard work, you're right. I mean, I, I drag my heels when 
sometimes it's somebody that's uh, going through a real, you're like, oh, man, I just, uh, it's exhausting. Once again, uh, fueled by prayer. And the great thing is that uh, we're way in over our heads, so if we don't pray a lot, we can't do it. And maybe that's the point, is that uh, the Lord... He loves to help us. He wants to be part of it, and uh, he wants us to remember that he's God, we're not. And that's a, a lesson we learn maybe more than once. Yeah, well, and, you know, that fueled by prayer, I mean, that really takes us here to our final spiritual work of mercy, praying for the living and the dead. And it's not only the end for us, but prayer is both beginning and end of everything we do when when we look at these spiritual works of mercy. So even though this one comes at the end, it should be something that permeates all seven of the, the spiritual works of mercy. Yeah, the Church, once again, she involves us in this, this cosmic enterprise of the salvation of souls, and that Jesus shows us by his example that he's a, a God who prays, and he invites us to, to do the same. And it, uh, it shows us that this human family, this uh, this divine family, that we're all uh, to take up our our part. And, uh, you know, there's St. Margaret of Cortona, and she's a famous, uh, one of the patron saints of, like, you know, souls in purgatory, because she prayed so often for the people who, her boyfriend first, that was, uh, they don't know, but tragically killed, and she worried for the salvation of his soul, and she just started praying, and the rest of her life, she had a a deep conversion and very committed to Jesus and praying for the living and the deceased. And on her deathbed, all these people were dressed in white. No one else could really see them, but she could, and there were dozens, hundreds, I don't know how many, and it was revealed to her, Margaret, these are the souls that you helped to ransom from purgatory by the life that you lived. And I think, well, that's the way it goes. That uh, God doesn't need us to do anything, I suppose. I mean, he is God and there is no other, but he wants us, he invites us, he he says that it, it would impoverish us not to, you know, it was Steve Prefontaine, the great runner, is a, to give anything less than our best is to sacrifice the gift. And our whole life is a gift, so God, he's not going to force us to give it back, but we're unhappy if we don't. We live for ourselves. Oh, we're the most miserable of creatures, but if we live for him and for others, and that's what prayer does, is it? I suppose when we start to pray, when we're young, I used to pray that, to be a great basketball player. I won't tell you how that turned out, Josh, but anyway. But eventually you start to pray for other people, and you start to, and that's the great thing about prayer, that pretty soon you're genuinely con- concerned and interested in other people's lives, your own too. I mean, it's not, you know, being some kind of a, a negligence toward ourselves, No, to love our neighbor as ourselves. We have to do both. But um, anyway, prayer opens us up to that whole family that uh, we're a part of, and uh, what a privilege what a mess, but uh, there's something we can do about that mess. And uh, it's small, it's hidden, mysterious, but potent. It changes uh, not God, but us. And uh, most of us need to be changed in some way or shape, and uh, with God's help, we, we're being changed even now. Father Sam Martin has been our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life. And Father, as we're winding down the hour in our last 30 seconds, could I ask you to offer a blessing for all those listening today? May God bless each and every one of you with a beautiful heart, a merciful heart, one that sees the good in others. God bless you, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Martin, thanks so much for being our spiritual director today. If you're listening and you missed any part of the earlier conversation, as always, let me encourage you to go back and listen to the full podcast. You can find it at RelevantRadio.com. 
or on the relevant radio app. And of course, uh, want to encourage you to join us tomorrow here on The Inner Life. Father Rob Kroll, he's going to be joining us as we look ahead to Sunday, the Feast of Corpus Christi and the Eucharist. That's going to be our conversation here on The Inner Life. Of course, Mass is up next. We've got Father Edward Looney, who is our celebrant. And stay tuned right after that. We have The Faith Explained with Cale Clark. We'll look forward to seeing you back here on The Inner Life tomorrow. God bless.